I'm calling this the Hidden Christmas, this series of messages. Why the Hidden Christmas? Because I, I think we, we've kind of got used to this Christmas story, haven't we, where we, we know that there's certain verses that get read out every year. And, and in that, it's really um, challenging to uh, see what really went on, to understand what it was like in those times and what uh, the Bible uh, writers are trying to convey to us. Uh, and when we start digging into the background to these stories, the, 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 the um, nature of what the, the individuals involved were going through, we find some real hidden gems. Some hidden gems to encourage us, particularly at this time of year when Christmas is, is so unusual for everyone, we, we're working with all these constraints, but it really helps us to, uh, to see how to deal with difficult times and see the glory of God right in the midst of them. And that's why I'm calling it Hidden Christmas, because I'm trying, what I'm going to try and do is I'm going to try and show you some of the gems that are contained within the stories that you all know. So let's go to the first one. I've, I've entitled this uh, Mary, What Did You Know? And I want to start uh, by looking at a, a well-known passage in Luke chapter 1. So let's go to Luke chapter 1. Let's uh, open our Bibles there. Uh, it's Luke chapter 1, verse 26. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favoured one, and the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when, he, when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, and considered what manner of greeting that was. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favour with God. There's that word favour again. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son. And he shall be called Jesus. He will be great and will become be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. Then Mary said to the angel, How can this be since I don't know a man? And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also that Holy One who is born to, born to you will be called the Son of God. Now indeed Elizabeth your relative has also conceived a son in her old age, and this is now the sixth month for her who was called barren. For with God nothing is impossible. It's just so good that we need to know that, don't we? With God, nothing is impossible. We, we see so many things in our life that look imp impossible to us, but with God, nothing is impossible. So, you know, whatever you're, you're facing right now, just remember to God, what your solution to come through this looks absolutely possible and God is well able to sort it. So, then Mary said, Behold, the maidservant of the, maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. 
just a, a really well-known passage, is it? it? And it's uh, it's kind of I, I think one of the things that I think it, it's notable for is this word uh, that he's used it a couple of times about how favoured Mary was. Do you know that that phrase highly favoured? Um, it's the same word as is applied to us as New Testament believers when Paul talks about has been accepted in the in the beloved. That word accepted is the same word is translated here highly favoured that we when we became in christ when we became one with the spirit of god when we were born again favor came on our life blessing favor high favor came upon our life and that's that's the state that's the reality of who we are in christ and that's the reality that we bring to the world around us and so I want to just look at, at really the, uh, I guess it's a simple question, but why was Mary so highly favoured? Why was it that was Mary was chosen to bear the Son of God? Why was it that, that Mary uh, was the one who, out of all the people that could have been picked, God chose her? You know, uh, I think we... we we kind of uh, try and uh, understand it. But when we try and understand it, one of the things that I found looking at this is that when you uh, look at what the population of Israel was at that time, basically God's uh, selecting from the, the, the population of the entire nation was a, between five and 600,000 at that time. That's, that's about two thirds of the population of Cambridgeshire. So the whole nation, that's all the people you've got to choose from. And God centred down on this nation of Israel and he centred down right on, on, on Mary. So why did he choose her out of that five or six hundred thousand people? I mean, obviously, uh, half of that is the amount of ladies, 250, 300,000. But why Mary? Why, why did God choose her? Why is she the one that favour comes on? Why is she the one that is uh, uh, put at the centre of God's plans? Is she chosen for a reason or is there something that God just did which is random? And I think it's really important that we realise that God doesn't do things at random. God chooses a person for a purpose. And so the question then becomes, well, if God chose Mary as a person for this purpose, what was it about her that led him to choose her? You see, all of us are born with a purpose. God's got a plan for every single uh, life of a believer who is listening to this. Uh, whether it's, it's live right now or whether it's recorded during the week. God has a plan for you. He's had that plan since he formed you in the womb. He's, he's been thinking about that plan. He's been working out that plan. And basically, he wants us to participate in that plan. So the things that... Uh, we can see in this story of Mary, they apply to us as well. In, in the working out of God's best plan so that we can live life to the full, have that abundant life that Jesus said would be ours, so that we can live in the, in the reality of that and live in this, this good plan that God has for us, uh, this, this purpose that he has for us, then we can learn some things from this story. So what is it that... We, we can know about Mary that helps us understand why she was the one who was suited for God's plans, why she was the one that was suited for God's purposes. And we can learn some things from this 
about why we can be suited to God's purposes in our life and what we we can do in response to those plans that he has for us. You know, there's a lot in the Bible there's a, 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 about Mary. The, the, we, we've got a lot of information, but also uh, there's... After, after Jesus' death and resurrection, a lot of people came to Christ. And a lot of people came to know him. And a lot of people wrote things down, wrote down what was happening there, wrote down historical information. The book of Luke is actually uh, an historical document written by Luke and dedicated to um, a kind of overseer called Theophilus. Uh, and so it was intended itself as an historical record. So if you put that together with all the stuff that we know from other believers at that time and from non-believers, we actually have a lot of information about Mary. So it's really interesting to see what she was about, why God choose, chose her. For instance, one of the things that we, we know is we know the names of Jesus's grandparents. They're, they're in, the, in the Bible. We, we can find those out. We can see their names. Uh, what else do we know? We, we know that he's got an aunt and that aunt is called Elizabeth. We saw that. He's got a cousin about to be born called John. Uh, and he's got siblings. We find out later in the story that he's got siblings. Um, there's uh, James, uh, who wrote the, wrote the book of Ch James, became very prominent in the Jerusalem church um, in, in the New Testament. There's Joseph, there's uh, Simon, and there's Jude. Again, that's the Jude who wrote the letter Jude. And we also know that he had, uh, we don't know an exact number, but we know there were at least two because they're in Pruvel when they're mentioned. We know he had at least two sisters. So it's kind of a big family. And that, that would have been the nature of things in those days. Families were big. They, they, they lived together. They lived in a very close community. And, and, and they shared uh, everything together. So uh, Jesus is, is born into a family where you, you have Joseph and Mary at the head. And uh, we, we can trace the lineage of Jesus all the way all the way back. In fact, Luke does that in his gospel. So we know a lot about how Mary sits in the historical record, uh, her relations, how she uh, had relationship with those relations, her response to Elizabeth and so on. And, and we could. So the point I'm making here is these are real people about whom there is a real historical record. And, and that record is as strong, uh, many times stronger than a lot of the things that we just just uh, daily take as fact that we think we know from history. When, when you compare the historical records about Jesus, there is so much more information in well-preserved records than anywhere else. So these are real people. Mary's a real person and, and, and so are all the others I've mentioned. What I'm saying is this is all reliable eyewitness stuff. What other things do we know? Well, what we know from historians and from, from the biblical record is that uh, Mary is directly descended from David. We find that out in, I think it's verse 32 here. It says, he will be great and will be called the son of the highest and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And why is that important? Well, it's really important because in Isaiah chapter 11, it had been prophesied that the Messiah would come from the line of David and would sit on the throne of, 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 of David's line. Uh, I think that's uh, 
I think it's the first verse actually in Isaiah chapter 11. And wh why that's important is we see here this angel who comes and he says, uh, that's now going to be fulfilled. That's now going to be fulfilled. What can we understand from that? Well, here's what we can understand. When we, when we uh, are looking to God for answers, when we're looking to God for uh, help in, 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 the, in difficult times, when we're looking to God for his wisdom, what we can be certain of is that God will always keep his promises. God isn't a random God who just does one thing one day, one thing another day, depending on which side of the bed he got out of. God always keeps his promises. And what we've seen here is that God prophesied that this would happen and then he kept his promise and now it's happening. And, that, and you see that right through the biblical record. You see all the, all the prophecies being fulfilled. God is a promise-keeping God and that means he will always keep his promises to you when you believe his word. God's promises will never change. In fact, uh, Psalm 138, it says that God has put the status of his word even above the status of his own throne. God's not going to break his promises. God will always keep his word. So if we believe him, if we put our trust in him, we will see his promises come to pass in our life. And I want to encourage you to do that. Uh, we've walked through... Uh, this this whole coronavirus thing this year but I want to encourage you to keep going we're not at the end yet but we're starting to see the end coming and I want you to keep going because God is a promise keeping God he has what you need and he will keep his promises so I want to encourage you to believe in him to trust him um, I've just been filming this you know this week and one one of the things that uh, kept coming up he said I've been doing this series uh, don't worry be happy but every time I wanted to start the daily sessions off there those words don't worry be happy wouldn't come out of my mouth I don't I, I made the mistake several times of saying be brave trust God which was a series we did earlier in the year and that's really what I'm encouraging you to do now whatever it is you're facing whatever it is you've been through whatever it is uh, you're, you're, you're challenged by be brave trust God you will see him keep his promises when you place your trust in him that needs us to put our trust in him not in ourselves not in others not in uh, Auntie Flory or anybody else put our trust in God he'll keep his promises okay so where do we go now well the second thing we find out from this is that that Mary uh, comes down and she comes from Abraham's seed as well so not only is she in the line of David she's also in the line of Abraham and that gives us a another really important clue or a really important uh, help in understanding how we relate to God because when the Bible talks about Abraham and it talks about Abraham's seed what it says is that the the seed includes you and me as born again believers we were grafted into that promise we were placed within that promise and God promised Abraham that he would be blessed and his descendants would be blessed but more than that he promised Abraham and he said to Abraham here's how I'm going to do this I'm going to bless you to be a blessing to others so Mary here in Abraham's line is blessed by God highly favored by God to bring forth the Messiah to be a blessing to others so in that same way, God blesses us with many things so that we can be bless a blessing to others. And at this Christmas time, I want to encourage you to be a real blessing to others. 
I want to encourage you to, you know, even though we can't see everybody, to ring them up, to uh, say Happy Christmas to them, but also to do practical things, to, to bless others and to help others and to share God's love with others. So we're blessed to be a blessing. And, and Mary sits within both David's line and Abraham's line. Now, what else do we know? Well, historical records show that Mary, Mary's parents, uh, they were elderly. Um, they, weren't, they weren't young when they had Mary. They were elderly. They, they weren't able to have a child. A bit like uh, happened in, in some of the, the, the things in the Old Testament. Mary's parents were elderly. They weren't able to have a child. <clears throat> and Mary's mum and dad, they went and they prayed to God. And they said, if you give me a child, if you'll, if you'll give us a child, we will give that child back to you. So Mary... Uh, came about or, or was born as a result of the faith of her parents and a promise that Mary would serve God, that Mary's life would be dedicated to God. And, um, you know, how can I put this? Um, early Christian writers, uh, people who were believers at that time, and I, I think this includes a non-believer as well early christian writers record that dedication uh, to god of uh, mary as a baby and uh, what happened was that uh, her parents told her that she was special that she was born for a special purpose that, that god had given them her to them in order that, that she could serve the lord so right from birth Mary was helped by her parents to understand and to know that she was born for a purpose and that she was born to serve God. And, um, you know, I, I think about that and I think, well, you know, if an angel kind, if angel, angel Gabriel appeared in this room right now, I mean, we've got some fairly bright lights in this room, but I guess it's nothing compared to the angel Gabriel turning up. If the angel Gabriel turned up right in this room right now, they'd be, the whole place would be full of light and there'd be this powerful angel and he, and he speaks these words. And I'm thinking like, why does Mary just respond the way she does? How come she's so cool? How come, I mean, she, she's a little bit kind of what's going on, but you know, when the angel explains to her what, what, what it's about and what's gonna happen, she said, okay, okay, this is what I'm born for. Let it be, let it be, let it happen. And you know, we too are born with a purpose. When we became born again believers, we gave our life to God. We dedicated our lives to God. We said, Lord, you are Lord of my life now and I'm here and I'm here to serve you. And so the question really for, for Christmas and the rest of our lives is in what way will we walk in the purposes of God for our life? This isn't, our life now isn't something that we just wander through hoping that God's going to bless us along the way and it'll all turn out nice. And if it, if it gets a bit dodgy along the way, God will just bail us out. That, that's not Christianity. Christianity is giving your life to God in order to walk in his purposes. That's why Jesus, uh, when he called his disciples, said, follow me. He didn't say, you know, uh, just expect me to follow you around and bless what you want to do. He said, follow me, walk in my ways. And, you know, Mary was brought up like that. She was brought up to 
uh, almost like be the first disciple because she was brought up with this sense of purpose, this sense of knowing that she was born to serve God just the way you've been born again to serve God and to walk in his ways, to love God and to uh, do what he asked of her. And that's why, you know, when she this angel appears she she didn't say she didn't argue with god she didn't say no no i don't want to do that or anything like that she said what she asked was how's it gonna be how's that gonna happen god like this is what i've been waiting for all my life but how's it gonna happen how, you know what particular things are going to take place and obviously the angel gabriel explains that to her um what what else did i want to say about that um yeah, what I, what I kind of wanted to, to really encourage you to do as well. Um, obviously Christmas, we talk about Christmas as being a time for families. A time when we've got time with our children. Uh, a time where we get together, we share our Christmas meals and all, all that sort of stuff. Now I know in, in, in the way that family life evolves, has evolved these days and, and with some fractured families, that, that's difficult. But nevertheless... Uh, I want you to think about the, the, the family setting uh, that, that Mary was born into with these elderly parents. And I want you to realise that it is important, so important, what we as parents impart to our children. What we as parents impart to our children. You see... How can I put it? You, you know, I, I guess if you've been in, in faith life, you, you probably, when you had your children, when we've done lots of these now, you had a baby dedication service. And what happens is we, we bring the baby and we stand at the front and I go through the words and you make your declarations and the church says, yeah, we're going to help you. Whilst we call it a baby dedication service, we're not actually dedicating the baby. The reality of what we're doing is the parents are dedicating themselves to bring up that baby in the ways of God. To bring up that baby so that they, they get to know Jesus, they get to have a, a, a real relationships for themselves with Jesus and they get to walk with Jesus as they get older. So really, when we call it a baby, baby dedication service, you guys, if you've done one of these, you were dedicating yourselves to, to bring up your children in those ways. And we as a church agreed that we'd help you to, to what we were able in doing that. But the ultimate responsibility for bringing up children rests with parents. And it's so easy in, in these busy days to um, kind of... Uh, I guess subcontract that to church Sunday school or uh, the, the schools that your kids go to and so on. Don't get me wrong on this. We, we have amazing people who, who work in education and yet, you know, a lot, if you, if you were relying on the school system to teach your kids about God, it's not going to happen. And equally, if you're relying on just what happens on a Sunday morning, your children will not grow up knowing God. It relies on you. Just like Mary was brought up knowing this purpose, knowing, having this sense that she was going to serve God, knowing she was born for a purpose, every child in faith life is born for a purpose. And as, and as parents, we need to model to them. You see, if we... I'll try and be delicate here, but if we only go to church and only turn up at church, I guess once every two or three weeks, 
maybe less, maybe a bit more, very intermittently. And if it's a nice day, we think, oh, we'll not go to church today, we'll go to the park, or we'll do this, or, or we'll do that, or oh, it's tired, I've had a hard week, I'm not going to do that journey, I'm not going to do, not going to turn up. When we do that, what we model to our children is that church, the church family that has dedicated themselves to helping your children, the church that you're part of to encourage you and build you up, with telling our children and communicating to our children in a really subtle way, church doesn't matter. God's family don't matter. You can get along through life really well without any of that stuff. And it's a, it's kind of a subliminal message. And we can learn from the, the, these historical records, the things that we know about Mary, that when God came with his plan to her, she was ready. Why? Because her parents had shown her uh, the, the importance of walking with God. Um, Now, something else we know, just really in that context, is that Mary's father, his his job, was that he what how what's the title? He was um, he's noted down as a scroll scholar. What's that mean? Well, what the scroll scholar was, he's, he was one of the people that he was in charge for maintaining the scrolls in the local church. He was uh, a known for studying the scrolls. I guess he, he's somebody who's done something like this, the thing that we're going to start in the new year called Truth Quest. He, he, he's worked it all out. He's uh, instrumental. He's closely involved in, in, the, in, the, in the synagogue that he's part of. He's a scroll scholar. I guess today what we would say is that Mary's parents, particularly her father, was really committed to their local church. He's really committed to the local church. So Mary grew up uh, knowing that if she was to walk in the purposes that God had for her, she needed to be part of this family, she needed to be around this family, and that she would learn as part of that family as the word was taught from both her parents and those she was around in the church family, from the scroll scholars, from um, the, the teachers in the church and that she would learn that way. So Mary grew in a, up in an environment where she was taught that serving God was the number one priority. And she grew up in a home that showed her that serving God was the number one priority. Now God has a special purpose for every one of us. So we need to also... Uh, Think about that attitude. Where, where is our number one priority? What are we showing to our children? What are we showing to others around us? It's really important to be uh, involved and consistent and, and uh, committed to the body that you're part of. So what else do we know about Mary? Well, let's, uh, let's uh, try and envisage what it's like for Mary... Uh, that, that's kind of her upbringing. When we find Mary in this passage, uh, what we, we discover is that Mary, it, at this time, is aged about 12. And in that first century, she, the, the environment she grows up in is very much a peasant village. It's very much a peasant way of life. Uh, and for us, that, that's really helpful, isn't it? That's helpful for so many because she wasn't born into privilege. She wasn't born into money. She wasn't born into social standing. And yet God still had an incredible purpose for her. And so God looks through all those things. 
and he can take anybody from any station and turn their life into something that is significant. You know, Mary's brought up like billions of people on the planet are today where, where life was really hard. Life was really hard for Mary. You know, um, one of the things that I, I really kind of got to understand researching uh, for, for this, this talk is that Mary's life was tough. You know, we, we go, oh, I've got such a hard life, I'm so tired, oh, it's, it's just, so-and-so annoyed me today, and oh, I've had just, just such a hard day. And, and we think, well, we've got it hard, but Mary, you know, Mary was grew up in, in effectively a peasant village, um, and she grew, and, and the way she would grow up is that people didn't live in little houses then, they lived in extended families, so you'd have three or four two-roomed, uh, houses all built around a cottage where you had all the different members of the family living. You'd have grandpa and grandma, the kids, uh, the aunties, and, and they'd all live around this courtyard and, they, and they'd share things. They'd share the, the millstone so they would grind their own uh, um, corn and wheat and so on. Uh, they, they shared the toilet. They, they, well, let's, let's put it, they shared the water and the toilet and the cistern and cleaning up after each other. Uh, they shared the cooking, what else would they share? Um, they shared their lives together, obviously. They shared an oven, there was only one oven for the whole family and they'd all cook their communal meals. Um, and probably, I guess most importantly, or you know, for our picture of Christmas, they all lived in these four houses with all the animals too. So if they had animals, they all lived in there as well, in this central bit and wandering in and out and you know, you've got your domesticated animals and your chickens wandering in and out, and, and they all live like that. And that's uh, the place that Mary was born into. And as a 12-year-old, what would she have been doing? Well, she'd have been uh, carrying water. She'd have been working somewhere between 10 and 12 hours a day on just keeping the family running as a 12-year-old. Carrying water, gathering wood, uh, preparing food, cooking food. Uh, washing utensils, washing clothes, getting the ovens ready, getting the oven cleaned out, all that stuff. So here's what I want you to know. Mary was not weak. Mary was strong. You know, you don't, you don't go uh, several days journey on a donkey whilst pregnant, about to give birth if you were weak. Mary was brought up in a, in a, in a place where she was strong. But most importantly, Mary was brought up in a place that was hard. And that enabled her to endure. And sometimes uh, we need to realise that in order to walk in God's purposes for us, that needs us to endure some hardship. You know, I know that's not a jolly Christmas statement, is it? But um, part of our walk, part of stepping into God's good plans for our life is enduring hardship. Going through, going through the difficult situations, leaving behind the past pains and the past hurts and the past dif difficulties that we face and keeping going forward and as Paul says, to grasp the crown that there is there for us. We keep going, we are enduring as believers. So just as I, I kind of uh, start to wrap this up, one of the things that this passage tells us is that Mary was betrothed to Joseph. Uh, just turn over with me very quickly, and I'm just going to go here uh, briefly to Matthew chapter 1. Because Matthew chapter 1 talks about this betrothal, and I want to give you a little bit of information on it. Uh, Matthew chapter 1 verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, and before they came together, 
she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. What's that saying? Well, it's saying this, that Jewish girls are eligible for betrothal as soon as they reach 12. So uh, Mary was probably betrothed or engaged to be married at around about 12. So all these events that you're seeing and, and, and hearing in, in these Bible passages, they're occurring where Mary's probably somewhere between 12 and 13. And what they would do is that they, they would betroth to a, a future husband and there would be a public announcement made and they would then spend the next year uh, being taught, being trained and, and being prepared for that marriage. And there was no sexual relationship permitted in that time. So no, no sexual relationship in that time. That's why Mary asked this question, so how's that going to be? Because I'm in my betrothal period. So how how were you planning on that happening god because it can't happen can it because this the way this betrothal works is that's just just not happening and so uh what would normally happen is at the end of that year they would be married uh but the point was that they were really serious about this preparation period and the whole village would be watching them and the whole family would be watching them and that's why mary says how's that going to happen then god and that's why God explains to her why it's going to happen. Now, that might seem, you know, like if that was explained to you, he'd be going, okay, no way. But Mary, because she's rooted and grounded in the word, because she's rooted and grounded in the, the her family, in her local uh, believing community, because she's been prepared for this by her parents, um, she she doesn't react like that. She doesn't say, "Oh, you're crazy. That's not gonna. How can that happen? That's impossible." She says, "Okay. Now you've explained it to me. Let it be." So let's wrap this up. But what? How can we apply some some more of these things to us? Well, I think the first thing that we can do, and and really um, explore about ourselves, is in the question of. You know, Mary's attitude. That, so Mary's response to God was, yes, Lord, I'll do it. Just tell me how. And in order to for us to get in that same position, we need to set aside some time where we prioritise time with God. And I want to encourage you to really do that this Christmas. You know, um, we aren't going to be able to do a lot of the normal things we would do at Christmas this year. So there will be time, but you're going to have to make that time and be pretty firm in setting aside that time just to be with God. What do you want to do that for? You want to do that so you can hear his voice, to to hear his heartbeat, to know, so he can minister his presence to you, can minister his love to you. Um, because it's from that place where we get changed and we get changed into this place where we we almost mirror mary where we can say okay god i'll do whatever you ask i've heard what you've asked of me now i'll do it you are at the center of my life you are my number one priority and so that's what mary had been brought into you see as a disciple you know when jesus i, I know i've talked a lot about that this year from the first series i did before lockdown called radical and then we talked about in dare to be a disciple Jesus asks us to follow him. Real discipleship means hearing his voice, setting time aside to hear his voice, and then saying, yes, God, I'll do what you asked. He knows what he's doing. 
you know, he, he made the universe. He knows what he's doing. He has the he, he had the power to do all that. He's got the power to, to bring about what, he, what his plans are for you. But he needs you to hear them. He needs you to walk with him. And he needs you to respond. Yes, Lord, I'll do that. Just tell me how. Just tell me how, God. So that's, that's the first thing I want you to see. The second thing, you know, that is that really to understand that God has a purpose for your life. You know, whatever you have been through, Whatever's happened to you, whatever's happening to you right now, whatever the ups and downs and the, the turmoil, you know, many people live lives that uh, are just really, I wouldn't want to live them. But we all have things that, that have happened to us, that have gone wrong, where people have hurt us, where our plans haven't worked out. And we, 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 can, we can either live with that, we can either stay there and let that determine our future, or we can realise that our past is just that, it's our past. And we set ourselves, we say, that is now behind me. I am moving forward. So as after Christmas, we move into a new year, we're moving forward. And I believe that right at this time, God is doing a, a, I don't like the word because of the way it's used, but he's doing a reset of his church. And Faith Life, right now, God is asking us to reset ourselves. He's asking us to commit to his purposes for us, to make them number one, to commit to his purposes for our lives and when he says commit just like he asked those disciples to follow him just like he asked mary will, will you carry the, this child he's asking us to give our all not just a little bit not just a part not just the bit we think we can manage but he's asking us to give us his all him our all and in return he gives us his all how do we commit? How do we live that out? Well, there's things we can learn from Mary, isn't there? We have to know the word. In order to understand what God's saying to us, we have to know the word, but we also have to believe the word. It's sometimes easier to know the word than it is to believe the word, but we need to do both. And, you know, that's what we're, we're about is faith life. That's why we have faith life. As I've said it before, we're faith life and not doubt life. Because we need to both know the word and do the word. And, and secondly, we need to listen to the voice of God. We need to hear what he has to say to us. And then we need to prioritise doing what he's asked us to do. Walking in what he's asked us to do. Believing him to provide. Believing him to trust in him. To put our, our weight on him. And then finally, what, what we need to do is we also need to remember at this time that we don't do this alone. Not only do we do this with God to rely on, with the Holy Spirit to counsel us, to strengthen us, to give us wisdom, to comfort us, to empower us, but we also walk this together as a church family. So this Christmas, uh, I really want to encourage you to pray for all your church family and to look forward to the new year when we get to meet again when we when we hopefully start meeting together in smaller groups building up to a bigger group I, I want to encourage you to pray for your church family to be a committed part of that family to be blessed to be a blessing within that family 
because it's so important that as a family we prepare each other for the individual purposes that God has for our lives. And I believe God's calling us to that in, in, in going forward. I believe that's why he had us teach that series Radical last year, teach a series Dare to be a Disciple. He's been talking to us all about hearing his voice, about being brave, be trusting him. It, it's all in preparation for what is to come because I think what is to come is so different from what we've seen that it will just blow our minds. But God's been preparing us, just like he prepared Mary, just like he got Mary ready. For all who will listen, for all who would uh, commit and prioritise and know the word and believe the word, he's been getting us ready for something amazing that is about to come. Amen. So I just want to uh, pray for you now. If this, if, if this is the first time you've, you've kind of connected with God or you've slipped away from God, I want to pray for you uh, that this Jesus that I've been talking about, this Jesus that was, that was Mary's child but also the Son of God, that you would know him also as Saviour, the one who died for your sins, the one who paid the price and took the punishment for your sins. And I'm going to ask you to put your trust in him now, turn to him and make him Lord of your life. So follow me in this prayer. Father, just say it after me. Father, I ask you to forgive me for everything that I've done wrong. I ask you to forgive me for the way that I've let my walk with you slip. I now make you Lord of my life. I choose you as the one I want to follow. And I ask you to give me new life, new birth, through your Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name. Amen. So if you said that, that prayer, if you were either for the first time or a way of coming back to God, we'd love to hear from you. We want to help you. We want to get some resource to you. We want to answer your questions. So just let us know. Email office at faithlifechurch.co.uk or uh, send us a message on Facebook. They're the best ways to get us. And we want to celebrate with you and uh, just uh, really, um, I, I guess, yeah, we just want to celebrate we want to celebrate this Christmas, new lives in the kingdom, people coming back to him who've drifted away. And we're, we're just so excited about all that God is doing. So Faith Life, we love you. We, we miss you. We're continuing to miss you. And uh, unlike uh, Noddy Holder, I'm saying right now, it is Christmas. It's Christmas. Christmas is coming. And this is a time where God is going to touch lives, change lives. And we're going to be blessed to be a blessing. Amen.